joining us now, Aaron Darman uh, from Parliament. Hello, Aaron. Good afternoon, Andrew. How's it going? Very good. So Grant Robertson doing the postcare because Jacinda's in Singapore and, of course, he got grilled big time on inflation. This after, of course, he became Wind Farms R Us and, get, and talked about Wind Farms left, right and centre. But then he got grilled about inflation. Yeah, dare I say, if you start off your post-cab with uh, talk about the Resource Management Act, it's not perhaps the sexiest uh, post-cab that you'll hear about. But today he did come under the cosh for those inflationary pressures that we're seeing across the country. Uh, He basically said, look, the government will always take a finer look at expenses to ensure Kiwis are getting value for money. But he maintains that we do have, of course, a housing crisis on our hands. And while we could stop building state houses, that would be, using his words, cutting our nose off to spite our face. Now, Reserve Bank Governor Adrian Orr this morning indicated his desire for clear communication with fiscal authorities and how they, quote, could assist around more targeted, effective fiscal policies. In short, what role the government could play in bringing down inflation. Now, Robertson, as you say, who stepped in uh, as acting Prime Minister while Jacinda Ardern is overseas, says they have to make long-term investments to meet the needs of New Zealanders. And we asked him if he thinks people could blame him for inflation. And, well, this is what he had to say. No, I don't. I think New Zealanders understand that this is a global phenomenon. They only need to see the headlines every night where we hear that inflation in the US has gone over 8%. Inflation in the UK has gone over 7%. They can see the war in Ukraine. They've heard about the supply chain constraints. They know them themselves because they've ordered goods that aren't arriving as quickly because ships aren't coming to New Zealand as quickly. So I'm not surprised people are concerned. Robertson also pointed out health spending as an area that's critical and where reducing the cost wouldn't necessarily bring down the price of food or petrol. All right. So he promised $6 billion of uh, extra spending. This is extra spending. This is you know not just you know, carrying on with the operating. Extra spending in the, in the budget that's coming up next month. Did he talk about mitigating any of that in any way, shape or form? He was very, very coy. It was a very he- uh, finance-heavy uh, post-cab, which is a little bit different to usual, obviously. Uh, Prime Minister Justin Rajoon isn't so much over the finances as, as Robertson is, but he was very coy and he said, look, I'll have more to say uh, before the budget and on budget day. I imagine uh, that's what we'll get a sneak peek at in his traditional uh, pre-budget breakfast. Uh, but we just have to wait and see exactly uh, how much, if any, uh, money will be peeled back, where the cash will go, and whether or not the government will actually step in and do any specific on inflation. And as I've said, and I just said it before uh, I crossed over to you, I don't understand why Grant Robertson steadfastly refuses to accept any responsibility of any part whatsoever in the inflation equation. When uh, excessive government spending, which we have had, and money printing, which we have had, are known to be inflationary, and that happened for two years, and now we've got the war, and now we've got the supply chain difficulties, and yet he just will not say it. He'll say, it's all their fault and not mine. And I find that a little strange. You can ask him that later for me. Hey, we've got reports that the health officials told the government back in November that you don't need MIQ. Yeah, news just to hand, and a bizarre and, and rather shocking report, to be quite frank, uh, out uh, from Radio New Zealand, that those top health officials, your Dr Caroline McElnay, Dr Ashley Bloomfield, agreed way back in November that MIQ was, quote, no longer justified for most returnees. At the time the document was signed off, 80% uh, of this country's eligible population had been double-vaxxed. And basically the way it went was McElnay wrote to Bloomfield seeking to update the public health risk assessment. She wanted uh, it to reflect that the risk posed by international arrivals transmitting COVID-19 is no longer higher than the domestic transmission risk 
of COVID-19, which of course we'll remember a lot of people at the time said exactly that, but the government maintained, no, we need MIQ. Uh, McElnay asked Bloomfield if, look, is the risk higher? Bloomfield agreed, uh, and he agreed also to brief the response minister, Chris Hipkins, and start making a plan. Of course, it wasn't until March that MIQ was finally phased out. So a rather stark uh, story that has come out this afternoon that I think will lead uh, to many questions, and particularly questions around accountability uh, around that public, that public Health Response Act. Excellent stuff. Aaron Darman, I thank you so very much. Now, meanwhile, in Singapore, the Prime Minister is uh, still speaking after meeting, of course, with Singaporean uh, business leaders and, of course, um, the the political leaders there. So uh, Jason Walls has actually flown off on the 757 with the, uh, the Prime Ministerial Party. I believe he hasn't had the COVID. Three of the uh, party did get the COVID uh, and couldn't make the trip. Apparently the Prime Minister's still standing. Jason Walls still standing. And we will hear from Jason next hour.